Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. I am one of your co-hosts, Rob Clark, and with us, as always, Mr. Ed Katz. Ed, how you doing? I'm doing so great. Thank you for asking. I got out of bed this morning. The earth was below me instead of above me, so everything else is just wonderful. Icing on the cake after that. (laughs) Did you get your workout in today? Actually, I'm still sweating. I, I didn't go to the gym. I have a recumbent in my house, and I watched television, and I sweated, and I feel <laughs> healthy, so I can binge uh, it's after the dinner tonight. There so. you go. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right, our podcast today, I'm excited about the title and, and the conversation we're about to have. It's the seven most important words for running a business. So, Ed, enlighten us. You mean like what are the most what are the seven most important words for running a business? Exactly. You're putting me on the spot. Can I tell you a little background history before I discovered what they are? Okay. So here I am. I um, Wait, I got to ask a, before you start. Was this in school that you learned this? Yeah, that school of hard knocks. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know that's the only school I've ever attended. Well. All kidding aside, to learn the business, I did work as a mover helper for another moving company in Atlanta for about six months and worked my way up to sales and general manager. But nobody formally taught me how to manage or run anything, nothing. I have a master's degree in public administration, which means I specialize in government affairs, which taught me absolutely nothing about management. But I am the one that started the moving company. I've, I started it, and it was my baby, and I had the master's degree, and I had the college education. So I was like a legend in my own mind. I was at the top of the organizational chart, you know, the pyramid. So that's how I ran the company. Do you, how do you feel about that, Rob? Yeah, I mean, it sounds, <laughs> sounds like you sat on a throne and wore a crown. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it was, uh, I mean, my employees, I created mentally handicapped employees. Like, why should they take a risk and make a decision when they can ask Mr. Katz and not have any risk, right? So, and I like having the big ego and I was, you know, very self-important <laughs> and I made all the decisions. They didn't send a letter out until I proved it. They didn't. So are you telling me when we think about an organizational chart, Ed, and it's kind of that, that pyramid kind of shape, right? You sat at the top at the point and then underneath you would be a branch of, you know, Susie and Mary. And then over here, you know, Jennifer and and Jim, and, and it just kind of went down to that bottom row with all the people and it all went up. Nobody in that pyramid would make a decision until it got all the way ultimately up to you. Well, since you brought up the pyramid, now that I think about it, there was a pure pyramid in our company, all right, but it was an upside down pyramid. Imagine having an upside down organizational chart. You got this? And everyone below me is above me in this pyramid. It's upside down. And every one of those employees reported to the person that would be me at the bottom. Does that make sense? I'm a little confused. I'm going to ask you to kind of explain that a little bit. Oh, I can't show you a drawing, but take a pyramid and turn it upside down. Right, so I got that. Okay. I'm at the point at the bottom. Right. So instead of my delegating, instead of having a normal pyramid that's right side up, where I would delegate 
to people below me who in turn would delegate. Yeah, we, we call it, you know, blank rolls downhill. Okay, yes. Mine was an upside down pyramid where there was no delegation. Everyone at that company, bookkeeper, sales, customer service, movers, supervisors, operations manager, all reported directly to me. I directly mean, to you? Yes. So you didn't have a pyramid at all? Well, I look at it now as an upside down pyramid. <laughs> I was like a funnel at the bottom of the funnel. <laughs> That's because I'm thinking about an organizational chart where, you know, being a former military guy, there's a chain of command. You know, if I worked in one department, I go to my department head before I go above that person. You know, there's there's some protocol there. And it sounds like you kind of had a direct line of access directly to Mr. Katz for yeah. everybody. Right. I woke up one day and I recognized and realized I had a nickname. It was no life, no <laughs> life, because I couldn't really even be on a phone call without somebody poking their head in the door. Like, I have a quick, quick question. You ever try to talk to somebody and focus on the conversation on the phone when two people are standing at your doorway trying to talk to you about the question they have? I mean, it's really disruptive, and it was really getting to me. I'll tell you, something happened to me one day. And I, by the way, I didn't just, a month after I started my moving company, learn a better way. I was this upside-down pyramid, this funnel, I guess, for probably I, I like years. I like that better, the funnel. Okay. And okay. We went from the, a pyramid to a funnel. Everything came okay. right to you. Okay. All right, great. So I was this, <clears throat> this funnel concept till one day. I was in our men's room. I shouldn't talk. Now we're going to have pictures of this. You're going to, you're going to be upset, uh, listeners. I'm sorry, but this has <laughs> really happened. I'm in the men's room on the can. And this is really disgusting, right? Look, I'm a former owner of a moving company. I have no class. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyhow, if you can visualize this. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. I'm, <laughs> I'm on the can in the bathroom. And my salesperson comes in. He knows I'm in there. And he says, Mr. Katz, Mr. Katz, I have a quick question. I'm thinking to myself, what's he doing in here? I can't even be in the bathroom. I, ooh, I don't even want him to know I'm in here, what I'm doing. I mean, it's like terrible. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. I realized, as I I think I created monsters. I did. I created people that just wouldn't think for themselves and I was micromanaging them. And this was the ultimate, the ultimate payback, I guess, for my poor management style. So I had to come up with a better way of running the company where I could get my life back, have some privacy. My goodness, I, I, I gotta be able to go to the bathroom, you know, without somebody interrupting me or eating my lunch or being on a phone call or what, going on vacation or taking a day off without interruptions so i came up with these questions this this response this reply i think from the next day forward when an employee did what they always did which was come up to me and say what should i do mr katz what should we do here what do you think you know what my answer was it was seven words rob it, my answer started being seven words all the time. And here were the seven words, if you count on your fingers and your thumb. I don't know. What do 
you think. Those are seven words. Well, now, the first time I asked that to an employee who did what he or she always did, which was to ask Mr. Katz the funnel, <laughs> they were like deer, deer staring in headlights at night. They were like, what did he just say? What did he, what? But after a while, they spread the word that Mr. Katz is no longer going to be answering our questions. He's going to be asking us, I don't know. What do you think? So that's that's how I changed our management style. Okay, so I've got to ask the next question because you know this is this is a a bit of a culture shock to your employees. I'm guessing this is a shift that they it's going to take a minute for them to kind of come to terms with. So how did your employees like uh, this new philosophy of you know be, being given the power to kind of make some decisions? They didn't like it. They didn't like it at all. And I each, I made it even more challenging. I said, not only am I not going to answer your questions the way I have for the past few years, but before you come to me with a question, I want you to also in your mind have three, at least three choices for answers or solutions to the need or question you are posing. And they, what, 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 what do you mean by that? Well, just for, let me pull something out of the sky. So a customer says that he can only move on Saturday and we're book solid on Saturday. Mr. Cass, what are we gonna do? I wanna do this job, um, it's a big commission, it's a lot of revenue, it's a good profit, but we're book solid and the customer that I just uh, got this move wants to move on Saturday. What can we do? What can, what should we do, Mr. Katz? And I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, not only do I answer his question with my question, that person asking the question, who in this case was one of our salespeople, had to give me three possible solutions. I love that. Oh, boy. Let me tell you, all of a sudden, the questions stopped coming. <laughs> they used to come like rapid fire. Now that they had to come up with solutions, I mean, there was times they couldn't come up with three options, but most of the time they did. And that's just for the fun of it. Uh, if I, if you ask me, Ed, I, I work at CDM 360 and I own your company or I'm your supervisor, I'm your manager, your boss, whatever. And you have a client that you have a great relationship with and they want to use CDM 360 and you come up to me and you say, uh, I don't know what we can do, Ed. Um, they want to go on such and such a date and we're booked solid. And I answer you by saying, I don't know, Rob, what would you do? Or what do you think? What do you think? I don't know, Rob. What do you think? Do you think you might be able to answer that or am I blindsiding you? No, you're not blindsiding me. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a, it sounds like a very simple question, but you know, I would want to look at the clients that we had booked for that day, what my relationship was with those clients, um, this particular client. And is there somebody who can move on a Friday night versus a Saturday if we had the capacity to do so? Could a client be moved to a Sunday, you know, with a phone call and, and an explanation of what we needed from them and, you know, so there, there should be some options there to, to move a client back or, you know, up a little bit to accommodate and get this other client fit into the schedule. Perfect answer. And that's what they would over time learn with me. So like 
once they knew that I, I was going to throw the question right back at them with the seven words. So in our case, they said that the company whose move I just am wanting to book can only go Saturday, but we're booked solid. So I would say, I don't know. What do you think? And they said, we already looked at the the booking board, we call it, the scheduled board. And I think we might be able to get such and such a customer to move from Saturday till Sunday. You know, a lot of times it's capricious and arbitrary. Everybody wants to move when? Nine o'clock in the morning on Saturday. But I said, okay, are you going to call the other jobs that we have on Saturday and ask one or two of them if they can move on Sunday instead of Saturday? And they would respond, yes. And I would say, what are you going to say? We're going to say, can you do us a favor? Can you move from Saturday until uh, instead of Saturday, move on Sunday? I said, let's no. talk about yeah. <laughs> no. well, let's talk about the options. We'll say, and here's another option. You don't necessarily have to start to move that you move from eight o'clock or nine o'clock in the morning Saturday to eight or nine o'clock in the morning Sunday. You can say, hey, look, if you go to church Sunday morning, that's great. We can start your move. What time do you get home from church? 1231 o'clock. We can start your move at one in the afternoon. It doesn't have to start at nine in the morning. It's the same price, same crew. Oh, okay. But here's what we found out, just to take this to the nth degree. If you call one of your existing clients to move their change or change their move day from Saturday to Sunday, they're going to be doing you a big favor, right? Yes. They're probably going to want something in return, aren't they? You used to talk about a thing called what's in it for me. Yes, W-I-I-F-M. They're going to want a discount, aren't they? Yes, they are. So <laughs> after a few <laughs> after a few instances where clients said, yeah, well, well, we might be able to move on a Sunday, but that's kind of a hardship for us. What are you going to do for me if I move my, my job that you're already booked and, and committed to from Saturday till Sunday? What are you going to do for us, peach tree movers? So here's what we did. We got wise. We anticipated that response. So instead of asking them if they would do us a favor and change their move from Saturday to Sunday, I'm going to use this company as an example because it did happen with this company, but they're no longer in business, so they can't come back and get me now. We did a lot of moves for the Hellfire Missile Division of Rockwell International in a suburb of Atlanta. They were one of our best clients. So when we had to call one of the other moves on the schedule to please move their move date from the day they were scheduled to maybe the next day from Saturday till Sunday, we would call the customer that we wanted to move their date and say, I wonder if you would do one of our clients a favor, the Hellfire Missile Division of Rockwell International asked me to give you a call and ask you if you could do them a favor. They have a time-sensitive move. They can only go Saturday morning. And they were wonder if, wondering if you could help them out and change your date from Saturday until Sunday. And if you want, we could start at almost any time of the day after church or whenever. But you'd really be helping them out if you could do them this this favor. It's interesting. When we asked on behalf of a client, most, if not all the time, yeah, sure, we could do it on Sunday instead of Saturday. Actually, Sunday might work better for us. But if we asked them to do us a favor, they probably... What's in it for remember, me? 
Yeah, it was in it for my one discount. <laughs> I like that. So what was the long-term effect with this new management style at your company? How did it uh, well, play out? Yeah, it, it gave me a life. It really did give me a life. And I can tell you something else. Over the years, I said to all of my employees, when you come to me with a problem, a need, a challenge, not only do I want you to come up with three solutions to your question, but I want you then to tell me which of the three options do you think is the best? Do you know something? They got it. And I can tell you this, over the years, I realized it was my poor management style initially that created these problems of my having no life. My employees were very intelligent. They had great ability, all of them, to make good decisions and and choices as to what would be the best solutions to problems and questions they had. It was Ed Katz's fault for dumbing them down and making them mentally handicapped because they, you know, if it's easier, it's easier for you not to think, right? Like to oh. tell you what to do all the time, right? Then you have no risk of making a mistake. It was my fault. So they really, they rose to the occasion. They, they were all wonderful employees. They really were. And they made better decisions and choices many times than maybe that than than I would have made honestly. So you're you're saying it got to a point where they could make a decision without running it by you because you had confidence and trust in them that they were going to make the proper decision. Exactly, man. Exactly. I think that's great, and I think in general people, you know, in general whether they're what whatever level of employee having some call it skin in the game having some authority you know if you, i think you were the one who taught me if if you're going to give people responsibility you have to give them authority to make decisions um i think doing that for them, it's just healthy it's good for them it makes them continue to think more and more and more and that's just how you get better as a company as a whole i believe Rob, do you remember the podcast we had a few weeks ago with uh, Vince Verano from JK Moving, JK Moving Services who, in Sterling, Virginia? Who's that? What's it? Uh, Vince. Vince Verano. I'm kidding, Ed. He made an impact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Leadership yeah. versus management. It's not nice to tease an old man, Rob Clark. <laughs> Anyhow, in his podcast, you know, cultivating and growing leaders from within, I'm sure that Vince follows a similar type management style of, you know, asking his employees, his subordinates, what do you think? What are our options? What do you think is the best option? You know, I wish I had worked under Vince years ago because I wouldn't have had to go through that terrible learning curve with that terrible school of hard knocks. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're not saying don't you know, your, your rule in, in managing is you have to be able to measure. You're not saying don't, don't have things in place where you can still measure. You're just saying you don't have to look over their shoulder and hold their hand and micromanage the entire process. Right. And you know what? You, Rob, I, your employees, we're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. But most of the time, you can undo or fix a mistake. But better to make the mistake so you can empower your employees to think for themselves and make good choices and become leaders 
and take that burden off of the one person who that was me running everything and having no life. I guess my question to our listeners is, you know, how are you running your company? Do you micromanage the way I did initially? Do you control every aspect of everything that your employees do and have no life? <laughs> That's a terrible, terrible business model. I, I encourage uh, our listeners to take a chance if you are running your company that way to empower your employees and give them chances to grow and to learn and to develop and make good decisions. How do you feel about that, Rob? I think it's a great point. And the only thing I might add to that, Ed, is I think, in my opinion, from what I've seen in doing this for several years, um, I think that style of management also helps to keep employees working with you because you're creating an environment that they feel like they're always being challenged and, and a part of and growing in and developing in versus, uh, you know, just not having that and wanting to go somewhere else where their voice can be heard. And I think that's huge for, for companies. And, and in our industry, we are thought to have a very high turnover of employees. And this is a way to kind of help with that, I think. I agree with you. I agree. Well, now you know everything I know about running a business. I guess you don't need me anymore. So this is our last podcast. We're done? Last for today. <laughs> Great show, Ed, as always. I think that was very informative. And, you know, the, the headline, seven most important words for running a business, people were probably thinking and on their fingers kind of come up with some whatever saying or philosophy they had and, and uh, never thought it would be the answer that you gave. Say it one more time. Seven words. I don't. I don't know. What do you think? I think that's awesome. Great show, Ed. Enjoy thank you. This. Well, thank you, Rob, and thank you, listeners. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. And until our next episode, go sell another move. <laughs>